this congregation this morning. I want us to uh, also, I might mention, the men will have a short meeting uh, after the services. I promise you it will be short. Uh, I might not should say that, but uh, anyhow, it will be short because we're going to discuss what we need to do this evening. And so for the you ladies who do not will not have a man in the meeting, if you'll just hang around a few minutes when we come out of the meeting, we'll let you know what the men decided as far as this evening worship service. Okay, so if you'll just hang around. If not, call somebody so you'll get the word after the men make the decision on that. We do want to be very, very careful. Uh, as you know, we don't know how bad the storm will be over here, uh, but we don't want to be taking any big risk uh, with anyone getting hurt or anything like that. So please, uh, if you can, just stay around a few minutes, and then we will uh, let you know what we're going to do this evening. As it was already announced, we will make sure the building will be open for any of you that would like to stay here uh, tonight during the storm, it is, a, it is a really safe building. And so if you have any concerns or any, uh, don't take a chance. Come on up here and uh, it'll be a lot safer for some of you. We want to continue this morning with our series that was titled, A, Changele uh, a Changeless Christ in a Changing World. This world is ever-changing, as you know. Just this uh, last week, I had to have some work done by a veterinarian. And, and to my surprise, you cannot get a vet after hours unless you go to Mobile, Mississippi, or Florida. There's only one place that stays open in each of those to do uh, after-hour services. That's something new to me. I was so surprised. No one in Baldwin County will see your vet uh, after hours. And so that's a big change. There's changes going on all around with this COVID virus. You see changes. The world will never be the same. It's just constant change in this changing world in which we live. All change is not bad. Some change is good change. But when it comes to God's word, we dare not change. And so our lesson text this morning is Hebrews 13, verse 8, where the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ will not change. He will stay the same. He will stay true to who he is. He will be faithful always. And that should give us uh, some comfort knowing that we're not following a changing Christ that changes every time the weather changes. He's not like that. Although our world is changing, his world was changing while he was on earth. But he didn't change. The background of the book of Hebrews, as we noticed last week, it was written in a time of political and religious unrest. It was at a time when it looked like the world was about to crumble to ruins. When Hebrews 13, 8 was written, the Christians were being persecuted by the Romans, they were being persecuted by the Jews, and it looked as though they had no one on earth to defend them. So we can imagine how comforting it must have been to the saints of that day when they read the letter as known as the book of Hebrews and they got to chapter 13 verse 8 when it says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't like change. Y'all know I don't like change. Uh, so to me to hear those words and know I can follow Jesus do what he's commanded me to do, and I don't have to change in those areas. 
But over the years, the last several decades, we've even heard of people known as change agents. The whole idea is everything's changing. The world is changing. So we have to change our doctrine. We have to change our ways to fit in. No, we don't change in those areas. Jesus never changed. The masses did not agree with his doctrine, but he didn't change it. They didn't agree with him, but he stayed true to who he was. No matter how much this world changes, Jesus will never change. Never change. Last week, we noticed five points. First of all, Jesus is changeless in his attitude toward error. He'll not change in that area. He's also changeless in his attitude toward false religions. He's changeless in his ability to save. He can save all that will come to him. The only ones he cannot save are those who will not come to him. Christ is changeless in his sympathy. He has great sympathy for mankind. He was in the flesh so that he could be our sympathetic high priest today. And then Christ has changed us in his plan of salvation. There are many people that have different plans of salvation, but Jesus only has one, and that will never change. Isn't that comforting to know that you have obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, and there'll not be another gospel plan of salvation? There'll not be another plan? There is not any other? There's only one. Once you see that, you obey it, then you are saved from your sins. That's not going to change. We must be faithful unto death. This would be point number six. And our first point for this morning. He is changeless in his love for man. There was a time when it seemed like a lot of folks were just teaching love, 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 love. And I made a comment in a gospel meeting one time that, you know, about grace, 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 love, love, love. Taking it to a, a, a way that was really perverted not actually the love that we read about in the bible it was love this and love that's all you heard what about doctrine and obedience and things of that nature oh i don't get tired of hearing lessons on love or reading about love or god's love it is so critically important and it's good to know we need to be reminded on a regular basis how much he loves us but yet, just because he loves us to the degree that he does does not mean we can live any way that we want to live. Or that he's going to save everyone that's in the world just because he loves them. But the truth of the matter is, he loves us very deeply. Many years ago, I heard my mom say to two of my sisters, There is nothing you can do to stop me from loving you. She said, I will always love you. Well, that impressed me. It wasn't a new revelation, but I just thought that was impressive. There's nothing you can do to stop me from loving you. Now that I have children, I know exactly what she was talking about. My children may disappoint me. They may hurt me. They may frustrate me. They may upset me, but I will always love my children because they're my children. Well, you know, if a mother can love her children despite of what they may do and the disappointments they may bring, what about a brother? You know, you've probably seen brothers or you may have a brother or brothers uh, and you have seen them in the past perhaps tie up and fight and argue and act like they were enemies. 
But I tell you what, if, if an outsider tried to say ugly things to that same brother or to attack that brother, it was trouble. Because really they're siblings and they bond together. They might say things to each other that don't mean you can say those same things if they're not nice. Think about a brother's love for his siblings. You know, in Matthew 12, verse 50, Jesus said, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Jesus says, if you're doing his will, the will of the Father, actually, if you're doing the, which it would be the will of Christ as well, then he says, you're my brother. You're my sister. Think about how much I, Jesus Christ loves us. He is our elder brother, you could say. And he has a great love for us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 21, the Bible says, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So if he is our brother and he loves God, then he loves us. Unconditionally. In John 15, verse 12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. How much does Jesus love his brethren? You can't even measure it. He has so much love for us. But also, he's our friend. He's our brother, and he's our friend. How much does a friend love another friend? In Proverbs 18, verse 24, the Bible says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Probably all of us have had a best friend at one time or another. Or most likely you have a best friend right now. And you may feel closer to your best friend than you do your own siblings. Well, Jesus really is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We should actually love him more than we love our siblings. But just think how much he loves us, our friend. In Proverbs 17, 17, the Bible says a friend loveth at all times. Isn't that Jesus? Isn't it good to know that he loves me even when I disappoint him? Even when I do not live a perfect life, he still loves me. He loves me at all times. Because he's my friend. He's your friend. In John 15 verse 13 and 14. Jesus said greater love hath no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. You want to know how much Jesus loves you? Your friend. He died for you. There's no greater love. And then he says in verse 14. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Your faithfulness is to be commended. And you are being faithful to your friend, Jesus the Christ. He died for you. In Romans 5 verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Imagine that. He loves sinners. He knows we're not perfect. We can be saved. Be saints. But even when we fall short, he still loves us. 
And then think about how much can a creator love its creation? Well, he is our creator. He created us. That makes man pretty special to him. We are his prized creation. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9, the Bible says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. All things were created by Christ. In John 1 verse 3, the Bible says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Creator. You know, I've, I've made a few things that I was somewhat proud of. But that's nothing like being able to create human beings. He created us. That makes us very special to him. We are his own special people. We are his creation. You think he's just going to throw us away? You think he's just going to stop loving mankind? Just because man's not perfect, he knew he would not be perfect. That's why he died for us. Ezekiel 33 verse 11. The Bible says, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live, turn ye, turn ye for from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? If we have this idea in our minds that Jesus just can't wait to zap somebody when they do wrong or, or punish someone when they do wrong or turn his back on someone or stop loving someone just because they do wrong, that's the wrong kind of thinking. Oh, yes, we do wrong, we'll be punished. We deserve to be punished. One of the hardest things that I've had to do in life is to punish my children. I never enjoyed that. But I didn't stop loving them. Sometimes I was a little disappointed in them. But I didn't stop loving them just because I had to punish them. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches if you love your children, you'll punish them or you'll discipline them promptly. Because you love them. You want them to do what's right. And so, he loves us. How much would a Savior love those that he saved? You think he just died and to save us, to be our Savior, and then all of a sudden, you know, you never know what your relationship is like with Him because He may love me, He may not love me, He may love me, He may not. You know, with some people, it may be kind of like that, right? Do you love me or do you not love me? He's our Savior. He's our Creator. He's our friend. He's our brother. Yes, he loves us. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Paul said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners. Why? Because he loved them. He loves us all. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14. 
And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. You think He's going to die to save you and then turn His back on you? Mm -mm. Even Aiden answered that one. He was shaking his head like that while he was sucking his thumb. It's so easy a child can understand it. He knows. He loves us. He's not going to turn his back on us. All those who think Christ does not love them need to remember Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always love us. Point number seven. He is changeless in his ability to meet our every need. Every need. Even though our world continues to change, man's basic needs remain the same. Man's bodily needs have not changed. And Christ supplies. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 33, verse 33 also, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for, what, for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and body than raiment? In other words, he's pointing out that we don't need to be anxious over the things of this world. Worrying about our food, our clothing, our shelter. The basic needs of the human body. But in verse 33 he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put spiritual things first. And all these things shall be added unto you. He's not going to leave us wanting. He's not going to forsake us. It's not, he's not going to change. He's not going to stop supplying us with the needs that we have for our bodies to be able to live, to breathe. Colossians chapter 1 verse 17. Paul said, And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. You know why things keep going on as they are? You know why we're still here? You know why we're still breathing air? Because by Jesus Christ all things consist. And continue. Without him where would we be? Man's spiritual needs have not changed. But Christ is also the supplier of all of our spiritual needs. Man needs God more than anything. You know, God doesn't really need us. He made it without us before the world was ever created. And had he not created the world, he would still be just fine. But oh, how we need God in our lives. More and more we need God. And the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, that it's through Christ that we're able to have God. Listen to this. Paul said, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. How can one have God today? It's through Jesus Christ. He can supply you with God. Man needs Spiritual blessings. He needs all spiritual blessings. There's not a spiritual blessing that I don't want. That I read about in the Bible. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Notice this. In Christ. 
It is in Christ that we receive the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. Just like forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Every, every sinner needs forgiveness. Because Isaiah 59 verse 1 and 2. Isaiah said that it is our sins that separate us from God. And we don't want to be separated from God. Therefore we need to be forgiven of our sins so we can be, as Paul said, reconciled. To God. Ephesians 1 verse three, uh, 7. The Bible says in whom. Talking about Christ. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Now notice he's going to state it a different way. Redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ. That our sins are forgiven. That's one of man's greatest needs. He needs forgiveness from his sins. Man needs freedom from the dominion. Of sin. Sin can have dominion over you. When sin has dominion over you. It, it rules you. It reigns over you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law. But under grace. You remember under the law of Moses, there was no complete forgiveness of sins. Because Hebrews 10, 1 through 4 says, all they had was the blood of bulls and goats. And it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. So they were forgiven, but in a temporary sense. It was contingent upon whether or not Jesus would come to earth, he would live a sinless life, live without breaking the law of Moses, and then give that... Uh, Sinless life, give himself upon the cross of Calvary to shed his blood for the sins of mankind. But it was not until Jesus died upon the cross that they were totally, completely forgiven. And that blood not only went backwards in time and took away all the sins of all the faithful that had been obedient, and it continues to go forward today. Oh, we need forgiveness of our sins. We, don't, we, we need to be free from the dominion of sin, the control of sin. To be captives of sin. And then Paul said in verse 17 of Romans chapter 6. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. Past tense. When it had dominion over you. But you've obeyed from the heart. That's the mind. That form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being baptism. Being then made free from sin. You became the servants of righteousness. Sin no longer reigns over you. If you're in Christ Jesus today, man needs eternal life. More than anything else, I want eternal life. I want a home in heaven when this life is over. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, the Bible says this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. All who think Christ cannot supply all of their needs should remember Hebrews 13, 8. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can supply our needs. He is supplying all of our physical, material needs and all our spiritual needs if we've been obedient to Him. Point number eight. He is changeless in his invitation. I'm so thankful for that. 
He's not going to change when it comes to his invitation. You know, people change invitations all the time. Sometimes you may be invited to something, and then sometimes you may not be invited. Uh, when people have get-togethers or things, they have certain ones that they want to be there, and others they don't want to be there, and some they don't even think about. But Jesus is not like that at all. You see, Christ tenderly invites everyone to come to him. Everyone. Listen to him. In Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Did you hear what he said? He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Heavy laden with what? Sin? The burden of sin? You know what it's like to carry sin around. It wears you out. It breaks you down. It's hard on you. Jesus said, you come to me. I'll take care of that burden. I'll take that load off of you. I'll take away your sins. I'll remove that from you. But here's the thing. Come unto me all. That's everyone. The invitation has been extended to all people. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. Jeremiah talked about the way of the Lord. And he, he said this, well, he wrote this, actually said by the Lord, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see. There's a, on a Highway 45 up here going towards Meridian, there's a place called Five Points. And it's called Five Points because it looks like there's five roads that intersect kind of like a star. And so when I think about this, I, I think of being at that particular spot and looking and standing in the ways and seeing, okay, I can go this way, that way, another way. So the Lord says, you stand in the ways. Man has a lot of ways. Jeremiah said, oh, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It's not in man that walketh to direct his own steps, Jeremiah 10, 23. That's something that we have to learn. It's not that I want to go my way or your way. I want to go the right way. Stand in the ways and look. Look. Look what's before you. And then he says, ask for the old paths. Not the new ones. Man has a lot of new paths. We want the old path. The path has been tried and proven and it's true and it's stood the test of time. Where is the good way? Jesus talked about the straight and narrow way, didn't he? Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life. And few there be that find it. We want that straight and narrow way. We want the good way. We want to seek the old path. And then he says, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. The same thing is being echoed to the world today. Stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old path. The invitation is there for every single person. The sad thing is, that verse goes on to say, but they said, it sounds like people in our day, we will not walk therein. They could, but they didn't want to. You see, Another beautiful thing about his invitation. 
is that he will not turn anyone away that submits to his will. No one. You see, it's not one of these deals like man has today where if you want to be, quote, saved, you've got to come before the congregation and then they have to vote on you, yay or nay, whether you can be saved or join their churches. Christ is not like that at all. It's not about what man thinks, what man wants, what man believes. My salvation doesn't depend on someone else. Not at all. If I will submit to him, he will save me. The invitation, he wants everyone to come to him and he'll not turn you away. Listen to John chapter 6 verse 37. Jesus said, And all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You know, that could be very, very comforting if you were down and depressed and thought the whole world had turned against you. You know, sometimes when we do wrong, we kind of get ostracized. We kind of get, you know, you get pushed to the side. You know, sometimes that people don't want to do any, have anything to do with you because they found out you did something that was not in harmony with God's will or something they didn't like. You know, I love those people that will spend time with people that feel like that. You remember Paul talked about that in the second letter to the church at Corinth about the man who had taken his father's wife. You remember in chapter in, uh, in the first Corinthians, he rebuked them, chapter 5, for letting a man continue there that had taken his father's wife. But then he, he, the man repented. And in the second letter, he tells them to encourage and build him up. You know, a lot of people would, would have had the idea, oh, I don't want to be around somebody like that. Oh, he did this. He did all that talk, 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 talk. But that's not what Paul said. You show your love to him. We need to be like that always. But that's the way Jesus is. You come to him, he says, I will not cast you out. That's his word. John 7, verse 37. The Bible says in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Any man. Come to me. I'm not going to turn you away. Jesus says, I'm not going to cast you out. He's talking about drinking of the water of life. Come to me and drink of the water of life. In Isaiah 51, uh, 55, verse 1. The Bible says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. You know, it doesn't cost you a penny to obey the gospel. We have several very good programs on Sunday morning, Channel 5. Preachers from all over. And almost everyone, if not everyone, stresses to their audience, to the viewing audience, it's not about your billfold. It's not about your money. We're not after that. It's about your souls. You don't have to be rich to obey the gospel. You don't have to have a lot of money to come to Jesus. He loves the poor just like he loves the rich. There is no favoritism with him. Christ's invitation is for everyone until the end of time. Hebrews 13, verse 8. He's not going to change. He's going to continue to extend his invitation to all. It is for all. 
until that great trumpet sounds. At the end of time, however, Jesus' invitation will come to a close. At that time, he will become our judge. In John chapter 5, verse 22 and also 27, the Bible says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. What a judge we're going to have on that day. You see, today he's our Savior. Today he stands before the world and says, Come to me, come to me, so that I can save your soul and give you a home in heaven after a while. But on that day, the role will change and he will be the judge of the world. But he will make right and true judgment. You see, he's the son of God and he's the son of man. He's God and man. He's the mediator between God and man, Paul said. The man, Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2, 5. So on that day, you can't say to Jesus, Jesus, you don't know what it's like being in the flesh. You don't know what it was like living down there. You don't know what it's like being around all those people and suffering all those physical ailments and things. You don't know. No, 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 we can't say that because he's the son of man and he's the son of God. Who do you want to be your mediator? Who do you want to stand between you and God? Who can do a better job than the man Christ Jesus? And who do you want to be your judge on that day? Oh, right now he's our Savior. Right now he's offering his invitation. And people need to wake up. They need to be alert. They need to be aware of what's going on. And they need to get ready to meet him in the judgment day. Don't wait until it's too late to do what's right. Matthew 25, we read there about the ten virgins and five had their oil for their lamps and then they had even more. They had plenty. Others didn't have enough. They were waiting for the bridegroom and he came when they were not expecting. In Matthew 25, verse 11, the Bible says, Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. When I think of this, I also think of that must have been in the days of Noah. Noah preaching some hundred plus years as he and his family were busy building the ark. They were preaching about the coming destruction, about the flood that was going to take place and destroy the world. You can just imagine how they were preaching upon deaf ears. There may have even been some uh, that were in the audience from time to time that may have said, you know, that sounds pretty good. And maybe when I get all my ducks in a row, then maybe I'll help you build this ark. Or maybe once you get it built, I'll go in the ark with you. Just not right now, not today. I'm busy. I got this going on, that going on. You know, aren't people so busy today? When you look at the, in the road out there, you see cars just steady going. On a pretty day, they're usually uh, hauling boats and campers, and they've all got somewhere to go, something to do. On the way in this morning, I saw a guy sitting at a 
one of the restaurants there by the door, just sitting in a little cubby hole. And I thought, you know, that person could be somewhere worshiping God today. You don't have to sit out there in the rain. You don't have to sit in some little cubby hole by yourself. You can come and assemble and worship God. But you know what? Days of Noah. Who knows what was going through the minds of all those people. I imagine there were those that mocked and no doubt has made fun of them and ridiculed them. But there could have been some that were thinking, you know, one day I might just uh, get in that ark. But they didn't. When that rain began to fall from the sky, and the fountain of the deep began to break loose, that water was gushing, it was going everywhere. Don't you know that every one of them wanted in that ark at that time? But they waited too late. Oh, today is the day of salvation. Today, we need to hear his voice and respond. Come to him on his terms. Because when the trumpet sounds and the dead are raised, the judgment's going to take place. And then it'll be too late to decide. Oh, now I hear you, Jesus. Now I want your love. Now I want to come to you and be, it will be too late. Just like it was for the five foolish virgins. Don't wait till it's too late if you're not right and ready to meet Jesus. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, we encourage you to do so. There's only one plan, and it has to do with Jesus. You remember he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way. we got to follow him, follow his way, do what he's commanded for us to do, which simply means we must believe that he is the Son of God. Jesus said, if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. We must repent of all of our sins. And the time to this ignorance God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why? Here it is. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men, and that he has raised him from the dead. Today I wish that those people who are running from that storm, that those that are getting prepared to, to ride it out and making all these preparations, I wish they would put the same effort into getting ready to meet Jesus in the judgment day. Isn't that far more important? That's important. But being ready to meet Jesus is far more important because there's going to be a judgment day. Acts 17, 30, and 31. And then Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. Matthew 10, 32. We must make the confession with our mouths that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts 8, 37. And then we must be baptized because Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and baptized shall be saved. On the day of Pentecost, when those Jews heard that they had crucified the Son of God, God had raised him up, set him on his own right hand, made him both Lord and Christ. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for their mission of sins. Acts 2.38. If you're here and you haven't obeyed the gospel, you need to do so. Don't put it off. Don't tarry. Don't wait. Right now, he stands inviting you, come to me. All you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. If you're here and you need to respond, if we can assist you in any way, won't you come? Us together, we stand and sing. There's a great day coming. There's a great day coming by and by.